0: Let me just say, don't be waiting for somebody else to be an encouragement. Let's all make up our mind to practice um, Jude 22. And if some have compassion, making a difference. Just a word, just a, a note, just a gift, whatever it might be. But make a difference. Make a difference in somebody going on versus somebody quitting. Be a Barnabas. Be an encouragement. Be like the Lord. We find the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ that was in Barnabas, is in believers today in the 21st century. God help us to practice what God has placed within us to be an encouragement to other people. The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Well, Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Acts and the fourth chapter, Acts chapter four. You know, we make a lot of ado about the day of Pentecost, a couple of chapters earlier and 3,000 people got saved and we should make a big deal out of that. But we often overlook what took place a chapter or two later where 5,000 people got saved. And we pick it up here in Acts chapter 4, after all the there'd there'd been this threatening afterwards from the the, uh, Sanhedrin toward the disciples, and the disciples got together afterwards, and they prayed and asked God for boldness and strength, and the place was shaken. And with that as a backdrop, we pick it up in verse number 33. It says, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joses, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. We're introduced to a fellow here by the name of Barnabas. He was such an encouragement. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, being an encouragement. Let's pray before we begin. Our Father, we come before Thee, and we know in our midst here we have a multitude, hundreds who are capable of encouraging, if we would just stop to think about it, to realize the importance of it, and to do it by Your grace. Help us now to see this man you placed in the Word of God who lived two millenniums ago who was such an encouragement at his time in history and help us now in the 21st century to be many Barnabases and to make a difference as a result. We pray now and ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Most of us are aware of an area pastor who lost a loved one recently and um, was uh, obviously uh, set back by that. But... I think it was probably a, a few, three days later after the funeral, uh, he was hit with something again where, uh, in his hometown, these 85 mile an hour straight line winds came through and, and just destroyed all the trees in his, his yard, falling on his, his vehicle and his garage and other outbuildings and, and making just an absolute mess. I mean, it looked absolutely overwhelming. Yesterday, I think close to around 20 of our men, they're the guys who are sunburned, by the way, <laughs> uh, went up there and uh, we got our chainsaws out. We got our equipment out and uh, we worked through the, the humidity and the heat and the wind and the sweat and the muddy conditions. And when we arrived, I mean, the trees were so thick and so snarled, you couldn't even see the field. And after we got done, it was just all open, and uh, that preacher was so grateful. He emailed me even today, and he said, you folks have been such an encouragement. But here's what I noticed is the guys who went, I think, got the bigger blessing. I think we got the greater encouragement because that's how encouragement works. When we seek to be an encouragement in the process, we're the ones who are blessed. We are the ones who are encouraged. The word encouragement, it uh, means to offer support. It means to strengthen somebody or to reassure somebody or to uh, reinforce somebody or to hold somebody up to support somebody, to to give them a shot in the arm, to give them a boost, to be a friend, to come alongside of them and and revitalize them, pat them on the back and and cheer them on. And encouragement is such an an important thing in the Christian economy. We find here a man in the Bible by the name of Barnabas who was just that. Barnabas was not his real name. Joseph was his real name. Barnabas, I think, was kind of a nickname. How many of you have ever had a nickname? My, oh, quite a few of you. I don't need to know. I won't tell you. Well, I'll tell you mine. When I was a kid, they called me Pudge. And thankfully, I've, uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and laugh. I've outlived it. Lived it down, hopefully. My pastor, they they called him Snake, if you can imagine that. I'd rather have Pudge, <laughs> to tell you the truth. But But there are nicknames and... And, and Joseph had this quality about him so much so that they gave him another name, whether it's a nickname or not, I don't know, but they gave him the name Barnabas. And why Barnabas? Well, Barnabas means something. You know, those old Hebrew names, they meant something. In fact, names even yet today mean something. But Barnabas meant the son of consolation. The son of solace. You can look it up in your Greek concordance. We know what it means to solace someone. It means the son of exhortation. We know what it means to exhort and encourage somebody and cheer them on. We find in verse number thirty six it says, And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed, Barnabas, And then it goes on and says, which is being interpreted, the son of consolation. The son of consolation. Consolation means to encourage in the Greek. And so he was the son of encouragement. Consolation actually there in your Bible in the Greek is a very, very interesting word. It is the Greek word paraklesis. And if you know the Greek, you know that sounds an awful lot like Pericles. And 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 that's a, a name given for the Holy Spirit in the Bible. In fact, in John chapter 14, we won't turn there, but Christ talks in verse 26 about when the comforter is come. This is what he's going to do, and that's what he's going to do. And the word comforter there is a, is nearly the identical word as the word consolation used here for Barnabas. And so Barnabas was a lot like the Holy Spirit when he's going around comforting people. God knows that we need comfort and God knows that that life is full of letdowns. And, And I think of that verse back in Proverbs 13 that speaks of hope deferred or hope delayed maketh the heart sick. In other words, you're, you're hoping for it, you're waiting on it, but it just doesn't happen. It's deferred, it's delayed, or maybe it never happens. And it makes the heart sick. It's a real letdown. And there is not a soul in this world who does not have letdowns, who does not need encouragement, who does not need love, and is not grateful when one of us comes along and, and we're an encouragement to them. I don't even like to be around people that are discouraging. I, I think you need discouragement the way a drowning man needs a drink of water, right? I mean, that's the last thing in the world you need is, is a discouraging person around you at that time. In fact, discouragement is a uh, sinful thing. I call it the sinister minister. People who are discouraging. You find even folks in the Bible who, who are sinister ministers by going around and discouraging. In fact, it's been said that once Satan had an auction and he had all these tools out there that he was trying to sell and, and get rid of and he had deceit and he had, del- he had lying and he had maligning and he had slander, he had all this stuff. But this tool called discouragement was not for sale. I mean, he needed that one too much. It was the one he used the most. You know that it can actually be a crime to discourage and has been in the past. How many have heard of Tokyo Rose? If you're a, a World War II historian, you know that Tokyo Rose, actually she was a real person. Uh, her name was Iva Tagori, and she was from LA, but she had been in Japan when the war broke out. She spoke perfect English, and they recruited her to actually go on the radio as Tokyo Rose and trying to, to discourage our GIs with all kinds of propaganda that the war is going wrong, and, and we know where you are, and we're coming after you. And, and all this kind of thing. And after the war ended, she was, she was caught. She was uh, put on trial and convicted of treason. And she spent up until 1956 in jail just for discouraging. In fact, she would have stayed there, but they pardoned her and, and didn't even officially pardon her until 1977 when President Gerald Ford did it on a technicality, but that's how, how horrible discouragement really is. In fact, when Nehemiah was the cupbearer, remember the story back there in Nehemiah? He could not come in sad in the presence of the king or it could <laughs> mean his neck because discouragement is such a serious, serious thing. It opens the door for all kinds of failures and it can be so hard to overcome. You know, I remember when I first got saved, and I was so happy, and I was so excited, and I was so glad, but guess what? (laughs) Nobody else was. At least my old crowd wasn't. The friends and the relatives, I'm telling you, they poo-pooed it, and and they did everything they could to discourage me, and, and I'm telling you, that was a hard thing to overcome, but God encouraged me. We find a verse, you don't have to turn there, but 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 3 says, "'Blessed be God.'" Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. It's like God's cornered the market on on comfort and encouragement, but He makes it available to His saints. The Bible speaks in 1 Thessalonians 5 how Christian people ought to comfort the feeble-minded, support them that are weak. These aren't suggestions. These are things we ought to be doing. I don't know about you, but I I want to be an encouragement, and I want to surround myself with encouraging people. I think we have here at Fargo Baptist Church and Masters Baptist College a very encouraging staff. I like that. I'm thankful for that. I think our deacons are encouraging. I think the heads of our ministry are encouraging because I want to be surrounded by encouraging people. I think you do as well. And and so, whether it be family, whether it be neighbors, whether it be the church folks, whether it be at work, the bigger question is, are we an encouragement? Everybody likes it, we understand that. But are we actually that person who encourages? Because when we are, we're like the Lord. May I give you a verse back in Isaiah, chapter 41, and in verse number 13, God speaking, He says, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. That's God talking. Saying, I will hold thy right hand and say unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. God is faithful at being an encouragement. Our Savior is encouraging as well. In fact, that, that verse I read over in first or Second Corinthians 1, it speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in verse 4, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them that are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. You see how it works? God encourages us so that we in turn can can turn around and and comfort and encourage other people. Well, we find here back in Acts chapter 4, a human example, if you will, a man by the name of Barnabas. And we find him encouraging so much so that they called him the son of encouragement, the son of consolation. Let's take a look here at what he did and how we can be an encouragement. We see, first of all, that he was an encouragement with his resources, with his resources. Backing up to verse 33 in Acts 4 again, the Bible says that with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Now we read on and we find out there's this guy, and we're introduced to him actually right here, Barnabas. He's mentioned a number of times as we read on through the scriptures, but here's where we're introduced to him, and, and guess what we find him doing right up front? Giving. Encouraging with his resources. Now, this was a time in uh, the history of the early church when there was poverty, when there was persecution there uh, at Jerusalem. You know, if if you got saved in those days, you might have gotten thrown out of work. You might have lost your job. And then there there was drought and famine, all that stuff going on as well, and it was just tough times. And so here's these Christians, and they're struggling. And those who had came to bat for those who didn't. And we find here that Barnabas was one. He saw the need, and he moved in because he was a faithful steward. You know, there's a difference between ownership and stewardship. And it's one thing to own something, it's it's another to be the steward of something. A steward is someone who doesn't necessarily own it, but oversees it. Joseph in the Old Testament would be a classic example of this. I mean, Potiphar owned it all, but Joseph oversaw it all. And we are not owners really of anything. I mean, what do we have that God did not give us? In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, it tells us that it is even He that gives us the strength, the power to go to work tomorrow, to go earn a, a living. And, and so He even gives you the energy to go out there and make a buck, to make a living, if you will, and get wealth. The truth is, God owns it all. And the other truth is, you know, you can sow and it will multiply. What you give away and you sow is going to multiply. But, but what you keep in the bag, nothing works. Nothing happens. It just stays there. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't help anybody. You say, but I'm not rich. Well, I'm not even talking about money. We can be givers and, and we can use our resources and we can encourage people with our time and our talent as well as our treasure with our love, with our prayers, with even attention, giving somebody a little bit of attention, noticing them, uh, saying something to them. Maybe it's wisdom you have, and and people need that. And just stopping to share a tidbit with them and, and help them in some way. But again, I ask you, what do we have that we have not been given? Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, What hast thou that thou wast not given? God has given it to us. Can we not be an encouragement to others with it? And again, it doesn't have to be money to encourage people. We find this in 2 Corinthians 8, 5, where the apostle says, you folks first gave yourselves. Can we give ourselves? Won't cost us anything. Uh, There were some men yesterday who just gave themselves to be an encouragement. You know, Peter and that crowd, they said in Acts 4, when they were hit up for an offering by the guy who was healed, remember what they said? Silver and gold, have I none? Silver and gold, have I none? It wasn't about money. They said, but such as we have, we give. And they gave him something, very encouragement. You know, maybe it's somebody's car that needs fixing or whatever it might be, but we can use our resources to be an encouragement to others. Bible says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Jesus Christ. And so be a blessing to a neighbor or a friend or a relative or maybe somebody in this room. And it might mean turning off the TV and, and not wasting our time in that area and going out and somehow trying to be an encouragement to somebody with our resources, our resources. But secondly, we can be an encouragement with our rapport, our rapport, our friendship by befriending somebody because life is hard. In fact, somebody so well said, be nice to everybody because everybody's having it rough. Isn't that the truth? Everybody's having it rough. We find some folks back in the Old Testament, I I think of this verse often in in Numbers 21, where it mentions they, they were traveling through the wilderness and they were discouraged because the way was hard. What a description of life. I mean, it's a hard way and it's a discouraging way. When they were trying to rebuild things in Nehemiah, we find in chapter 4 that the leaders came forth and they said the bearers of burden, their strength is decayed because there is much rubbish. You know, sometimes life is just overwhelming. Like that knot of trees we saw tangled yesterday as we arrived and you just go, where in the world do we begin? And your strength can decay because, well, the way is hard. Look in Acts chapter 9. What can we do at such times? Well, we can encourage others with our rapport. We find here Barnabas doing exactly that as we continue on following this man through the book of Acts. We find here that in chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus gets saved and he becomes the apostle Paul. And they don't believe it because he had been persecuting Christians. They thought this was a a, a trick and and Paul was going to suck them in, and then uh, and then turn on them, and and have them hauled uh, in and incarcerated or put to death, and and so they just didn't trust the guy. Well, in Acts nine and in verse number twenty two, it tells us, but Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after that, many days were fulfilled. The Jews took counsel. To kill him. In other words, if you can't beat him, just kill him. That's what the Jews would do. But their laying a weight was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed or tried to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. You know that happened to me. Uh, there was somebody who thought I was just—I was just uh, kind of a plant by the old church that I had been a member of. When I got saved, they went, "Oh, watch this guy here. He's—he's he's here to to spy on us and then turn on us." And it took some time before this individual trusted me that I truly was saved. So this can happen, and so we find here a time when Saul of Tarsus needed a friend. He needed a rapport with somebody, and guess who comes along and encourages him? In verse twenty-seven, it says, "But." Barnabas took him, figures, and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. You have to remember that Paul was like us. When he got saved, he had this circle of friends he, he ran with before, and suddenly he lost them. He lost all his old friends. And so here he is basically friendless. His family has uh, stiff-armed him. His friends have disowned him. I I mean, everybody's ashamed of him. They're talking about him. And so he really doesn't have any unsaved friends. But (laughs) sadder yet, the Christians don't trust him yet. And so Barnabas comes along and he befriends him. Thank God for that. You know, it's been said that true friends come in when other so-called friends are going out. That's the fair-weather friends are on their way out. Are we a fair weather friend? We find that David back in in 1 Samuel had a time when he was so distressed because his friends talked about stoning him. That's not true friendship. True friends come in when others are going out. Are you a true friend? Are you you true blue? It took a Barnabas to take Saul and usher him in amongst the disciples and say, he's okay. (laughs) He did get saved. He's different now. I can just see big old Peter going. All right, coming over and giving him a big old bear hug and welcome to the family, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, and the friendship was forged. But here's Paul and he was hurting and, and everybody was ashamed of him amongst his family and friends. And, you know, you, you never know what's going on in somebody's heart and, and how they need encouragement at such times. It's been stated, and I don't know if this is true, but up to 70% of all people suffer from some form of chronic loneliness. And maybe I'm talking to some folks and, and you struggle with it even You know, we have more to give than just money. And by the way, encouragement doesn't cost us a dime most of the time. It's just giving of ourselves. It's a rapport. And and I pray God that, that He would help us to realize we can do that. Anyone can do that. Anyone can be an encouragement. And I just pray that God would give us a church full of Barnabases. We see encouragement when it comes to our resources. Encouragement when it comes to our rapport. Thirdly, Encouragement when it comes to our reinforcement. Our reinforcement. Now, turn to chapter 11, if you would. uh, We find that things have kind of settled down with Saul. uh, He's kind of left town, gone back to Tarsus. Barnabas, he actually was a product of Jerusalem at that time. And so we pick up the narrative here in Acts 11 in verse number 19. It says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth... Barnabas handpicked, no doubt, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Now, notice here, according to verse number 23, They send Barnabas, he comes to Antioch, and he sees the grace of God. How do you see the grace of God? You ever thought about that? It says, when he had seen the grace of God, he exhorted it. I believe what he saw was people being gracious to each other. Of course, Gentiles being saved as far as the grace of God goes, but but just a camaraderie and a fellowship. And so we find him at that point spreading that grace. And reinforcing what was going on there. He was an encourager because he reinforced people. He built them up. He didn't tear them down. You know, you find some folks and they're fault finders. You know anyone like that? They're the cold water committee. They're always there with their bucket of ice and, and if you're not a clone of them, woe be unto you. There's no grace there. They're intolerant. If you're not a carbon copy of them, they build a wall. By the way, you can either be a wall builder or you can be a a bridge builder. It's a whole lot easier to build walls, by the way. (laughs) God help us to be a bridge builder. I am grateful to those who are reinforcers. They encourage by reinforcement. They'd rather encourage than divide. I thank God for Christian people like that because there are some who are so negative and, and uh, they poo-poo any vision that you have, anything you're trying to do for God. And I so appreciate the members of Fargo Baptist who encourage and they're in a partnership here and they're reinforcing what's taking place here. You know, I've often said there are three types of people in the world. There are those who make things happen. There are those who watch things happen. And then there are those who wonder what happened you know, <laughs> after it's over with. But let me add a fourth. There are those who discourage what happens. And I've seen those as well. God help us to make things happen. There are always those who say, well, it can't be done. But if you want to encourage, get on the same end of the rope and be part of that reinforcement. That was Barnabas here. In fact, turn to Acts chapter 15. We find a few chapters later here helping out somebody... Well, actually a relative of his by the name of John Mark who in a moment of fear had gone home from the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas here. And it creates a rift. We pick it up. We're familiar with it. In Acts 15, verse 35, it says, Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought it not good to take with them who had departed from them, from uh, Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. Now this is a sad episode in the Bible where we find... Uh, two preachers and they have this fallen out over this guy by the name of of John Mark and who's John Mark well John Mark is the one who wrote the very gospel that we've been studying for the past year right so apparently uh, he made a comeback and he recovered and he did okay but he would not have if Barnabas had not said look he got afraid he was immature he was young yeah, uh, he, he wasn't malicious. He didn't mean it. But he chickened out and he went home to mommy. And I think he's grown up now and he's ready for the second chance. And it was, it was Barnabas who reinforced him. And years later, as Paul is writing his last epistle, and I'm just turning to it here. I found it. In, in 2 Timothy 4, we find him signing off from the prison. And he says in verse 11, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. We find here that it was Barnabas reinforcing Jean Mark that enabled him to make that comeback. Well, we find here that encouragement can be found in our resources, in our rapport, in our reinforcement, and finally, back here in Acts, in our resignation. And by that I mean when we resign our will, our way to somebody else. Uh, We forbear, as it's called in the Bible, or we yield. And we submit and we have a servant's heart. We can be such an encouragement. Barnabas did not go on to become the top dog, did he? You know the story. He actually played second fiddle to the Apostle Paul. In fact, back in chapter 11, where you saw them mentioned, notice in verse number 25, it says, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. So Barnabas had left Jerusalem, gone off to Antioch, seen the grace of God, exhorted the people to be faithful, and he said, you know, there's something happening here and they could really use some help. And so he takes off, and this is quite a trek, goes all the way to Tarsus to seek Saul. Saul at that time was kind of a little wet behind the ears. Nobody, he'd just gone back home and trying to do something in his old hometown. And Barnabas goes back there and in verse 26, it says, and when he had found him, He brought him unto Antioch and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And so notice who the leader is, notice who the follower is. It's interesting. Look in chapter 13. It's still that way here as God calls some certain men of God out of the church there at Antioch and we find this list of several men mentioned in verse 1 and notice the very first one mentioned is Barnabas. In verse 1, the very last one mentioned is Saul. So it's in that order. Barnabas and Saul. Notice verse 7. Which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul. Notice in verse 13. Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga. What happened to Barnabas? Well, they had this uh, little falling out with this... uh, sorcerer there and Paul stepped up and God's hand was on him and something great happened and by the time that little episode's over we find Paul and his company what happened to Barnabas he's relinquished to second fiddle here you find in uh, verse number 43 if you move on here in the chapter now it says when the congregation was broken up many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas It's in a different order. It's that same way in verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas. You find it in verse 50 as well. We find here a resignation on the part of Barnabas. Willing to play second fiddle. He's okay with it. Content to fulfill his God-given role. And at that point, it was to be a backup man. You know, there are not many who don't want the preeminence, who don't want center stage, who don't want the floodlights and the the footlights and the spotlights, and all that goes with it. they got to have that, and that's really a form of insecurity. But here we find Barnabas, and he's okay with this. This will be his lot in life. He's fine with that, fine with playing second fiddle. And later on, the Apostle Paul would write in Romans 12 that we are to, uh, in honor, prefer one another. When it comes to honor, we ought to say, I hope they get it. Not everyone can be the chief at home. Isn't that true, ladies and gentlemen? Not everyone can be the chief at the job or or at the church, whatever it might be. There's got to be leadership. There's got to be fellowship. We find a time when Moses basically had Joshua as his assistant, as his sidekick. But when Moses died, Joshua moved over. And before them, uh, him and, and Caleb had kind of been buddies there. Suddenly it's different. Now Joshua's the boss. And Caleb is asking him for things. And we find here he's relinquishing that control. Barnabas got off to the side. And he rooted for Paul. Whatever was best for the team. And as a result, we find Paul go on. He writes half the books of the New Testament. We find him doing a lot of other things. But there would have never been a Paul without a Barnabas. And I think for that reason, Barnabas is going to be sitting high in heaven. No. Let me just say, don't be waiting for somebody else to be an encouragement to you. Let's all make up our mind to to practice um, Jude 22. And if some have compassion, making a difference. Just a word, just a a note, just a gift, whatever it might be. But, But make a difference. Make a difference in somebody going on versus somebody quitting. Be a Barnabas. Be an encouragement. Be like the Lord. We find the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, that was in Barnabas is in believers today in the 21st century. God help us to practice what God has placed within us to be an encouragement to other people. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Pulpit Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.